As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there. This is Chris Stewart of the History of China podcast. Stephen Guerra has been tackling one of the most information-dense topics I can think of, the popes of Rome and the councils that shaped the branching pathways of the early church. And what's more, he's been telling that insanely complex story in a way that's not only easy to follow, but fun and interesting. As Stephen concludes his overview of the Second Ecumenical Council, he will be approaching one of the pivotal moments in the church's history, but one that may not seem quite so important at the time as it will ultimately prove to be. I'm speaking of the reign of the Patriarch of Constantinople, Nestorius, beginning in 386. His teachings will ultimately be branded as heresy and purged from Anatolia, but will find a home in Sassanid Persia as the Church of the East, and ultimately wend its way across the entire length of the Silk Road and into China and Mongolia. Largely thanks to the efforts of these heretical Nestorian missionaries to the East, Europe during the Crusades will begin to hear legends of a Prester John, who was helping them crush Islam in a Christian vice. But they would learn only too late that this Prester John was in fact Genghis Khan, and he made no distinction between crescent or cross. In fact, the grandson of Genghis Khan, Kublai, will rule over China with an iron fist, all while taking heed of the advice given by his Nestorian Christian preachers in the 14th century. So as we all continue to listen to Stephen Guerra's exceptional telling of church history in the West, I invite you to also follow those Nestorian Christians in their centuries-long trek across the barren, desolate landscapes of the Silk Road, until you, like them, find a world utterly alien to the European experience, the lands of the Buddha, the Tao, and the Great Wall, where armies millions strong clash along the shores of the Yellow and Yangtze rivers in wars that last for centuries on end. I invite you to join me in China at the History of China podcast. And now... Here is Stephen Guerra. Episode 46, The Aryan Century Part 8, A New Sheriff in Town. Welcome back to A to Z History Presents, The History of the Papacy, 
I'm Steve, your host for this podcast about the history of the Popes of Rome and Christian Church. I'd like to thank Chris very much from the History of China podcast for his introduction to this episode. Chinese history is fascinating and rich. I know in my studies, we only spoke to Chinese history in the briefest of ways, but if you want to hear a detailed accounting of Chinese history with the great host, then you have to subscribe to the History of China podcast. Believe it or not, the history of the early church and China are not nearly as remote as they may appear. We are going to learn about a direct connection between Christianity and China that will be started with a very important bishop of Constantinople who will reign just a few years down the road from where we are in our story right now. If you want to learn more about the History of China podcast, how to subscribe, social media, Facebook, and all that stuff, you should go over to Chris's website, thehistoryofchina.wordpress.com. Here's the last piece in the puzzle leading up to the Second Ecumenical Council in Constantinople in the spring and summer of 381 AD. In the last several episodes, we've talked about the political-slash-military situation that got us up to the year 378 in the Battle of Adrianople. Emperor Valens was dead. As you could imagine, that left quite a mess in the East on so many levels. There was no emperor in the East. That was a problem. That was a major league problem. There was also a nation of angry Goths inside of the borders of the Empire, who incidentally were not happy with the Roman Empire. Not at all. In the West, there was some degree of stability. At least they didn't have an army of hostile Goths roaming through their yard. But come on, they were not content as clams in the West with the situation going on just a few hundred miles to the east. The religious situation was a bit more settled in the West, generally speaking. After the proclamation of the high-ranking secular political leader Ambrose, As Bishop of Milan, the Arian party was pretty much completely out of business in the western part of the Roman Empire. The West had its own religious problems, not limited to the Donatists in North Africa, but as far as Arianism went, it was not a going concern in the West after the Arian Oxentius was out of the picture in Milan. We've dropped a lot of names in the last few episodes, but there were a lot of big players in this story, and I just didn't have the heart to cut anyone out this time. One of the biggest players, arguably the biggest player, was Theodosius, who we will try to tie into the larger story today. Valentinian, Valen's brother and emperor in the West, died a few years before Adrianople in the year 375, leaving the West to his sons Gratian and Valentinian II. Long story short, Gratian had a big pile of trouble to his east and needed help. What Gratian did in 379 was broke the glass, so to speak, and he brought in an old Spaniard warhorse general named Theodosius to go east and drop the hammer on those Goths. Gratian pretty much made Theodosius the de facto emperor in the east. For a variety of reasons, Theodosius set up his headquarters in Thessalonica and not in Constantinople. For one thing, he was better able to manage the military situation from there. Secondly, Constantinople was white hot with controversy between the Arians and Nicene Christians, 
namely with the Bishop of Alexandria trying to get his surrogate installed as the Bishop of Constantinople and getting Gregory of Nazianzus kicked out. It was much better to stay away from that place for the moment. At this point, Theodosius was not a baptized Christian, which wasn't an unusual thing for high-ranking secular politicians. Either they simply weren't Christian at all, or they were holding out for a deathbed conversion in order to clear them of their sins at the last minute. In the 379-380 time frame, Theodosius became extremely sick and was given a sickbed-slash-deathbed baptism by the Nicene Orthodox Bishop of Thessalonica. Luckily for Theodosius and the Nicene Christians as well, Theodosius made a full recovery from his illness. Very soon afterward, Theodosius issued an extremely important declaration on religion. This declaration, or edict, was not a religious toleration coexist type deal like Constantine's Edict of Milan. Before we get into what Theodosius did through this edict, let's just lay it out there that imperial decrees had been going away from religious toleration for a long time. Julian the Apostate's policies were a blip on the radar, and emperors since then had been chipping away and even hacking away at pagan privileges and practices. Gratian had even made some pretty bold moves against the pagans, such as refusing to take the traditional title emperors had added to their portfolios of Pontifex Maximus. Theodosius would take a major swing at the pagans, non-Nicene Orthodox Christians alike with his Edict of Thessalonica in 380. But before we get into that, we have to ask the question, what happened to the nation of Goths rampaging through the countryside? You know that group Theodosius was sent to the east to straighten out? With a mix of diplomacy and military action, Theodosius was able to calm the situation down. Don't forget, the Goths just wanted to live inside of the empire reasonably peacefully, and the Romans desperately needed manpower in the worst way, so there was a good deal of room for compromise between the two groups. Once things were settled, it was time for Theodosius to consolidate his gains and make his move on Constantinople. That is where the Edict of Thessalonica comes into play. This edict, also known as the Edictum Fide Catholica, was issued in February of 380. It's worth quoting the text here because it really gets to the heart of the matter. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Emperors Gratian, Valentinian, and Theodosius Augusti, edict to the people of Constantinople. It is our desire that all the various nations which are subject to our clemency and moderation should continue to profess that religion which was delivered to the Romans by the divine apostle Peter, as it has been preserved by faithful tradition, and which it is now professed by the pontiff Damasus and by Peter, bishop of Alexandria, a man of apostolic holiness. According to the apostolic teaching in the doctrine of the gospel, let us believe in one deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in equal majesty and in a holy trinity." we authorize the followers of this law to assume the title of Catholic Christians. But as for the others, since, in our judgment, they are foolish madmen, we decree that they shall be branded with the ignominious name of heretics and shall not presume to give up their conventicles, a secret or unlawful religious meeting, the name of churches." They will suffer in the place of the chastisement of the divine condemnation and in the second the punishment of our authority, which, in accordance to the will of heaven, shall decide to inflict. This is not the Edict of Milan. This edict states without any sugarcoating that the Nicene Trinitarian position is the boss. The pagans, along with the Arians and anyone else who had a problem with the Trinitarians, could take a hike or more accurately, go to hell. I mean, literally, that was it. Theodosius was going to Constantinople now, and the people there could take it or leave it. What was this edict saying? For one thing, it put the bishops of Rome and Alexandria in the highest place in the church. That state of affairs won't last very long, though. Notice how Antioch was left out of the equation. Isn't Antioch just as apostolic? Is Rome or Alexandria possibly more so? Antioch was the first community of Christians set up outside of Jerusalem and was the first place where the followers of Jesus were actually called Christians. For one reason or another, Antioch was always constantly involved in conflict, bishops getting tossed out and replaced with new ones as the wind blew and fortunes for different parties changed. At this time, in 380-381, Antioch was completely embroiled in the Miletian Schism, which was shaking Nicene Orthodoxy to its core. All in all, this edict of Thessalonica said that the Roman government said Trinitarian Christianity was the only religion allowed, and you better listen to the patriarchs of Alexandria and Rome. 
Now we have to pick up on a loose thread we left hanging in episode 44 on the Miletian Schism. The short story is there was a major schism in Antioch between two rivals who claimed to be the Orthodox Trinitarian Bishop of Antioch. Paulinus and his successors had the support of Egypt and Rome, while Miletius had the support of many Eastern bishops, including the Cappadocians. Although the Edict of Thessalonica stated that what Rome and Alexandria said goes, when Theodosius hit the ground, he saw Paulinus was not the man who should be running the Orthodox show in Antioch. Theodosius agreed with the Cappadocian fathers and sided with Miletius as bishop of Antioch. Miletius was then made the president or chairman of the 381 Council of Constantinople. Theodosius siding with Miletius did not end the Miletian schism. This thing would linger on for years to come, and the issue would be one of the major bones of contention at this council. The rise of Theodosius marked a major change in the religious, military, and political situation in the Roman Empire. I think at this point we can say we are right at the cusp of the terminal decline of the Roman Empire. In 381, it looked like maybe the West was in better military shape than the East. But Theodosius was important in strengthening this eastern part of the empire militarily. As things would stand, Theodosius would be the last emperor of a united western and eastern Roman Empire. The use of Germanic Gothic mercenaries and the integration of Goths and Germans in the empire would increase dramatically in the next years. This Germanization of the imperial army was largely responsible for the dramatic increase in the influence of Germans on the Roman Empire. Theodosius's policies were a double-edged sword. They stabilized the empire temporarily, but sowed the seeds for later troubles. It is important to put these events into context of the timeline. The countdown to the end of the line of the Western Empire is less than a hundred years away. As the empire's fortunes were on the way down the tubes, the Christian church was just beginning its rise. We haven't seen the last of Theodosius. He has another good decade and a half of time on the throne. Although Theodosius is considered a saint in the Catholic and Orthodox churches, his relationship with the clergy and the rank-and-file laity would not be all high fives. In fact, it would get very ugly. But we'll get into that in due time. Throughout this podcast, from episode 1, we've used councils as mile markers because the councils have been a convenient way to summarize the story so far. These major councils are where the various controversies were discussed and solutions were developed to solve the problems. The record of councils actually solving problems is hit or miss. It depends on what your definition of solving a problem is. Councils and synods were very important to early Christianity and continue to be to this day in many traditions. The very first church council in Jerusalem, what was called the Apostolic Council because so many of the original followers of Jesus were there, for the most part did solve the issues it confronted. That council carved out a consensus on how the Christian movement could proceed into the future given the diversity of opinion on several key issues. Some consider this Apostolic Council the first ecumenical or universal council. 
it would take the better part of 300 years for there to be another universal council. This doesn't mean there weren't councils, though. Councils became the problem-solving mechanism and generally one of the ways the church was routinely administered. We've seen there was a serious problem of civil breakdown after the crushing defeat of the Romans at the Battle of Adrianople. Within the Christian church organization, there were three distinct conflicts simmering and ready to boil over at any point. There was the constant issue of Arianism, which had been going on for many years. The two other conflicts Christianity faced were actually internecine battles within the Trinitarian movement. The Miletius of Antioch schism and the fight for control over the bishopric of Constantinople were the two issues. The Orthodox Christians of Antioch were actually in full-blown schism, meaning the two camps were not in communion with each other. All of these various issues matter because once Theodosius stabilized the situation in the East, he committed himself to fully to stabilizing the religious front. His plan was not to compromise with various parties and work together to go boldly into the future, diverse but united. Theodosius wanted the situation ended and ended the way he wanted it. The bishops gathered in Constantinople may not have known the full impact of this council, but they must have had some idea it was going to be more than just a routine local synod. With all this backdrop, we are now standing outside of the doors of the cathedral in Constantinople in the spring of 381, where the bishops are gathered. We can already hear a ruckus inside, so let's go in. Thank you for joining us on this tour of the history of the Roman Popes and Christian Church. The History of the Papacy podcast is a proud member of the HistoryPodcasters.com network. If you want to learn more, stop by the website A to Z History page. Once you go there, you can like and follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and all that stuff. As always, I thank you very much for listening and look forward to seeing you on our next stop on our trip through the history of the Roman Popes and Christian Church. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, I'd like to say something about a new product I've tried called Calatrin. 
doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calatrin is for healthy weight loss. I have taken Calatrin myself, and I can honestly confirm that I've lost weight, I sleep better, and and I have found relief from a joint injury that I sustained in my arm. Calatrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age, and I am reaching of that age where things decrease. Taking Calatrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calatrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HOP two three zero six zero five and I'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, text HOP two three zero six zero five and I really do recommend you give this product a try and I'll talk to you next time.